0: Hey everybody, it's good to be with you today. As was already said, my name is Joe, and I've been part of the Mercy family for a couple of years and I'm very grateful to be able to share with you today, partly because it's always a fun thing to do, but also Mercy has been such a place of grace to our family and restoration and healing and fun and freedom that it's an honour to be with you. Um, I'm also aware that today is Mother's Day. And as such, um, for some of us, it's a complicated day. Some of us, it's exciting and we get the flowers and all of the things, even virtually. But for others of us, it may remind us of a difficult relationship with a family member. It may remind us of the challenges we're experiencing as we raise our children alone. It may um, accentuate. Some of us, I know some of my friends are particularly grateful Um, that they don't get to go to church today because it has often reminded them of the unique loneliness that can come with infertility and miscarriage and loss. And even in these COVID days, for those of us who are experiencing delays in our adoption processes or delays in our treatments, again, a painful day. For some of us, it may be our first year after loss, after the loss of a mother or the loss of a child. And it's acutely raw. I'm um, even aware, even as we think of the wider news of um, Wanda Cooper Jones, the mother of Ahmaud Alvary, and how she mourns today and the loss she encounters today. And to all of our stories, whether they're known or ones we've held in the quietness of our hearts, know that God sees you today and He sees your mourning today and your wrestle today and your struggle, and He loves you and is with you and is present even in the pain. And for those of us whom it's not our story, as we celebrate this day, may we also ask Jesus how we can serve our family more widely in this area. Anyway, We are in the middle. Well, we're just starting, actually, this series Jesus is as we go through John's gospel together. And today I want to look at how Jesus is closer than you think. Closer than you think. So I'm going to read from John, chapter two, verses one through eleven. The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they've no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And when the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed the instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine, but you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. A number of scholars, well, there's a range of views on when this gospel was written. Some would say it was about 50 AD, others go all the way through to 100 AD, but wherever it lands, One thing is true. The gospel is out there. The good news is out there beyond Jerusalem, beyond the region, and it's going out further and further into the known world. And as a result, there are other ideas that are coming in about who Jesus was, what it means to follow him, how to do it, all of that kind of stuff. And so John writes this gospel with a purpose, quite specifically, he says in John 20, 31, that these things are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, and that by believing in him, you have life in the power of his name. Now that statement, life in the power of his name, the word life, there there are a number of words for life in Greek and in the New Testament. And when it says life here, it's not bios, which refers to your daily activity. It's not um the Greek word "souke," which we find in other parts of the Gospels, which refers to your interior life, your soul. But this word here is zoe, and it refers to the life that God gives that begins now, a transforming life, a redemptive life that begins now and carries on to eternity. So when John is writing this gospel, he's wanting that not only do we believe in Jesus, but that we encounter him. We encounter that transformation, that life giving life, as it were, that affects our daily activity, that affects our interior world, but redefines our complete and entire existence. There's so much to see in John's Gospel, so it feels a bit of a shame that we've got a short time together. But what I want to do is reflect on those verses of that rather familiar story a little and then look at what it may mean for you and I today in this moment in our time. So to recap a bit of the story, it's a wedding party. It's an ordinary everyday event, but running out of wine is not an ordinary everyday event for those people. This is a big gathering and... In the culture of the day, it's not just a bad thing to run out of wine. There is no Costco around the corner. There is no Target nearby. It's also seen as offensive. It's an utter disgrace. It would be remembered. Some would be suspicious of the couple, assume that there's bad luck on their family in some way. So this is a crisis. It's a moment of crisis. And Mary asked Jesus to do something about it. We might be slightly put off by Jesus' response. Dear woman, um, what's this to do with us? It's not our problem. But the, his language isn't rude. It's actually more formal. He addresses her at the cross later on in the gospel in the same way. And when he says that's not our problem, or in other translations, what's this got to do with me? There are two ways that can be um, interpreted. For some some contexts, it's a dismissive statement. Some, it's actually, we've got this. It's a, it's in hand. It's taken care of. Whatever the reason, Mary is confident enough, whatever's behind what Jesus is saying there, Mary is confident enough to go to the servants and say, listen, pay attention, do what he tells you to do. The servants are sent towards these jars, these huge jars which are used for ceremonial washing, for cleansing. These are representative of the religious rituals of the day, um, all the things that needed to be done to get right with God. You see, it's been hundreds of years since... um, up until the point of John the Baptist, even hundreds of years before that, since they've heard the Lord's voice, hundreds of years, all the stories of their journey with God are, are history. Exodus, Deborah, Esther, King David, that's history stuff. Now what they're left with are jars that are empty and the rituals of following God and trying to find their way through. That's their story with God now. And Jesus sends the servants there to fill up the water, and transforms it to wine. And again, this is not some symbolic thing Jesus does. It is rich in symbolism, but it's an actual thing as well. Um, we see the master of ceremonies celebrating, saying, hold on a second, this is new. Normally you get the good stuff first and then everybody brings out the bottom basement drink, but you are giving us the best now. You're giving us the good stuff now and it's a reminder of the generosity and the abundance and the beauty of what Jesus brings. And John reminds us, doesn't he? He says this is the first sign. As you go throughout John's gospel, you're, in, you're going to encounter a number of signs. And these signs are when heaven meets earth. These signs are when God breaks into the present, breaks into real life in real time. And I love the fact that it's not happening in the temple. It's not happening in the, in the safe, predictable space. It's happening in people's important moments in everyday parts of their earthly human life. It's happening in community. It's happening in the ordinary stuff. God meets them there. I find it fascinating that it, um, although it's been hundreds of years for the people of God to recognize his voice, hundreds of years since a prophet has risen, hundreds of years and since God's encountered them, by this point they're under Roman rule, that none of them are aware that God is in the room watching, moving, taking care, breaking into their present. It's a sign that God is doing something amazing and that he's not done yet. So on one level, it's a great story, isn't it? It's a wonderful thing that God shows up at a wedding, gives them good wine. Excellent. Nobody is disgraced. But the good thing for us is that these words don't just echo through history. They speak into our life today. And so my question for us as we think of our world is where are you in the story? Where are you in this story? Who do you identify with in this story? Maybe it's the wedding party, Um, a group of people who are frankly under a lot of pressure, feeling the weight of people's expectations, feeling the weight of the world around them. And maybe it's not a wedding you're planning right now, but where you're at right now, you feel the weight of pressure, the weight of work, the weight of family life. Maybe you've been educating your kids and now you really believe in the public school system. Uh, Maybe you are wondering how long your job lasts. Or you're in the position where you have to tell somebody that they're about to go on furlough or tell somebody that their job is about to be ended. You're feeling the pressures of everyday life and the expectations around it. Did you know that Jesus is closer than you think and that he will meet you even there? Or maybe you identify with Mary. You see, Mary knows who Jesus is. She was there. She's the one who saw the angels. She's the one who got the really random gifts from these wise men coming out someplace. She's the one who saw the angels singing about her, her baby's birth. She knows the promise of this man. And so she's looking for him to act, looking for him to move. And I wonder where, whether you identify with her and say, come on now, Jesus, it's time to do something. As you look at the world around you, as you look at the pressures around you, as you look at injustice around you, come on, Jesus. It's time to do something. It's time to act. Is that where you are in the story? Because, again, Jesus is closer than you think and and moving in ways that maybe you didn't expect. Or maybe, and this is an odd place to be in the story, but it may be true for some of us that we understand those empty jars, (laughs) Those jars that represent an old way of doing things, the religious rituals, you know, after this, after a glorious history of God moving in power, of delivering from oppression, of working miracles, maybe all you've got left is emptiness and going through the motions, the rituals of staying out of trouble, the rituals of doing the right thing. And did you know Jesus would love to fill you up, would love to transform your life and transform your story and meet you today? Or maybe you're the servants. You have been faithfully doing the right thing. And Jesus is asking something different of you, things you wouldn't expect in the middle of the pressures, in the middle of everyday life. He's moving in new ways. Are you ready to step out with him? Wherever we are in the story today, whatever the pressures we're experiencing, Jesus is still moving and there are still signs that he has not forgotten us. I want to encourage each and every one of us to keep our eyes open to him, but also to call on his name. May we be like Mary who says, come on, Jesus, we need you to move. May we be like the wedding party who in the midst of everything encounters the goodness and the greatness of God. May we be like the servants who don't fully get what he's doing, but are with him anyway, stepping into who he is. Jesus is closer than you think and he's here to stay. Let's pray together. Father God, I do want to thank you that that you are about the everyday stuff of our lives, that you care about the everyday stuff of our lives. And we simply ask that where we don't see you, you would reveal yourself again. Would you show up in our lives again? Would you transform us in the pressure? Would you transform us in the pain? Would you transform us in the disappointment? And would you lead us forward? In your name we pray. Amen.